Hey everybody, welcome to the Muscle Intelligence Podcast, always live Q&A with Ash. Ash, thank you for joining me on this beautiful, maybe not so beautiful afternoon. Happy Canada Day, most oh, importantly. Yes. I yes. know, we both like forget because we basically are sort of, I guess, both Americans too, a little bit. No, I, I, I no man, I will always celebrate Canada Day. I love, okay, I love yeah, I love being Canadian. I always will. I think it's an amazing country. And it's the best. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, maybe, well, you know, every country has its pros and cons. And I'm sure no matter where you are, not you, but anybody, people are going to complain about the climate and the government and the people and nobody's ever happy. So yeah. I choose to see the beauty in it all rather than the bullshit in it all, I guess is the easiest articulation. I mostly complain about the weather, but seriously, come spend a winter in Ottawa and tell me about all well, the beauty. Ash, I, I, I went to school in London, Ontario. It couldn't be much Ugh. worse. So it's, it's in the snow belt. And I remember, actually, it's funny. I was talking about yesterday. Actually, it's not yesterday. It was last week. What I was talking about, like people understand, like you open your front door and you can't go out the door because there's like eight feet of snow. And like, this is like I grew up in Toronto, which is only two hours down the road. Completely different. Yeah. Like London, I mean, numerous times I had to literally shovel my way out of the front door and people just don't get it like yeah. it's over your head what are you doing to celebrate today are you guys gonna do anything fun well it's also a friend of mine's birthday so we're gonna take my kids go-karting that's a good way to celebrate canada day yes just have okay. fun and hopefully not go off track and i'm gonna drink some molson beer and say a as many times as i can yes hey. I, when I when i visit my brother in florida i literally mule him coffee crisps and ketchup chips apparently <laughs> those aren't things in the states apparently no, they're not. They're i don't not. know how they survive without I, la I laugh because my kids their favorite thing to do is eat ketchup rice cake they don't eat chips yeah yeah oh, yeah pretty close yeah yeah okay all right so where do we want to start today what do you want to talk about well, so I've been back on my yoga kick lately. So during Corona, obviously, I wasn't doing a lot of yoga because I couldn't. So I was doing it at home, but it's never the same. And people always ask, you know, do I see benefit in muscle building from yoga? And my honest advice is after kind of objectively walking through this step by step is I think it's one of the best things that anyone could possibly do if they want to improve their muscle building and to prevent injuries. So I wanted to talk a little bit about this. And I said, I want to talk about human connection. I think that's a big piece of how it all ties in. And my belief starts to go down this path of, in order to connect with another human being, you have to be able to feel, right? You have to be able to feel emotion. You have to be able to feel joy and whatever emotions you want to experience. But most human beings are so disconnected from their body that they're expecting to have somebody else elicit this feeling in them that they can't feel in themselves. So there exists an opportunity, whether it be in yoga or in weight training or even in breath work or in meditation, to simply connect with yourself first. So many of us speak of having, of lacking intimacy, of lacking great human connection, of lacking relationships. And I think it may be rooted in this reality that well, we're not even connected with ourself. Like most people are so in their head, they're always thinking, they're always disconnected from their body. They don't feel anything other than the drugs they take or the alcohol or the excessive amounts of food. They have to do so many things to actually elicit some type of feeling in their body that they're literally disconnected from the way their body feels. So spending this time, I've been doing some fasting, I've been doing some yoga, I've been doing more meditation. I think there's this really interesting space that exists in simply connecting more with yourself, not looking for things outside of yourself to make you feel better, but instead learning to sit with those emotions and maybe learning to intentionally feel. If I'm having a conversation with you or with one of my loved ones, I want to feel the dynamic. I want to feel how you make me feel and actually pay attention to it. So rather than intentionally trying to mute out my feelings, my thoughts, my emotions. Like I actually want to spend more time with it. So less time listening to music and listening to audiobooks, and more time just like exploring what does it actually feel like. And I think that may be an opportunity that exists in exploring a deeper level of human connection, right? So human connection, obviously, we're all looking for love, we're all looking for affection, we're all looking for amazing relationships. But if you can't feel it in yourself, I can't imagine how it would be possible to feel it in somebody else. Yeah. Right. So that's what I've been going through lately in my mind. And I think I'm really conscious of using my exercise lately of 
just exploring the way things feel, whether that be anxiety or fear or, or joy or, or even just muscle contraction. It's all just this internal reality that exists. So first to experience that, you have to get out of your head, right? You have to slow down those thoughts and exist in, in the gap and the gap that exists between thoughts, start to extend that out and start to feel that. And so this morning during yoga class, I just had this really deep epiphany around just connecting with yourself, connecting with the way you feel and being comfortable with it, right? Loving that feeling maybe will allow you to connect at a deeper level with other people. Now, there's obviously the neurochemical aspect of, as well, whereas like if I'm calm and I'm feeling my body, I'm obviously not living out of that amygdala, hyper-responsive, stressed place, right? I'm in this very calm place and that then allows you to get deeper connections as well. So there's probably multiple levels there. And again, this is just my theory that popped up. I haven't substantiated this with any neuroscientists or any psychologists or really anybody yet, but this is just something that I've kind of been feeling lately. I think there may be some merit to it. Mm -hmm. I think it's an interesting concept you're talking about improving your ability to connect with other people by first connecting with yourself and doing that through yoga. There's some layers there. Yeah. Or exercise, right? Yeah. Like getting uncomfortable and exercise and, and seeing where your body wants to break, seeing where you're like, you just have to feel those emotions as they arise and not mute them out, right? Most people feel those negative, quote unquote, negative emotions or the fear, the anxiety, the overwhelm, and you can experience those in exercise, we'll stop or we'll intentionally try to meet them out with loud music or with talking or whatever, rather than just existing in them and realizing they're nothing to be afraid of. They're just a feeling. And so I think that's a really interesting exploration that hopefully my brain continues to go down to see. Because my belief is that there's a greater value to exercise than just the exercise itself or just the, the physique enhancement itself, right? There's a huge value. We know there's a huge value in changing your brain. But I think there's a huge value also in connecting with your body, that kind of psychosomatic feeling of just learning to sit with feelings and emotions and being comfortable with that, therefore allowing you to go deeper to other people. Now, Again, most human beings are listening to this. They're like, dude, you're out of your mind. I want to disconnect from my feelings. <laughs> um, right. But again, it's kind of like eating the donut, right? You're preventing yourself from having the immediate discomfort, but you're also preventing yourself from having the, the long-term benefit, right? Absolutely. So like e eating the donut, great. I can, I can feel good right now, but I'm going to feel like shit in the future. I'm not going to get that reward. And that's the same thing that's happening with we're muting out those feelings is, yes, I can mute it now, but I'm also going to miss that long-term payoff. Yeah. I think it's interesting, obviously, how all of these things are connected. You've talked about it before that even things like connection can help with your health and can help with improved immunity and breathing, which is a part of yoga, is also connected to better immunity and all of these things. One of the things that's coming up for me while you're talking about this, and I was listening to another podcast recently that was talking about how we should be focusing more on immunity than like beating the virus. I don't want to get into like the COVID sure, stuff too yeah. much, but this is all connected. It's going to come back around. And the sort of response to this from the person on the podcast was like, okay, it's great to say that we should all have a breathwork practice and we should all be focusing on our relationships and being calm and all that stuff. But there are people who lost their jobs, who don't have a paycheck coming in, whose stresses are just so overwhelming, so true. Yeah. right? And that still applies to them. It applies to them even more maybe than the very privileged people who are just kind of fine. They're just sort of stuck in their houses or whatever. Sure. But how do you convince these people? How do you get to these people and say, this is still important to you even well, when you feel like you're drowning? Yeah, I think the key is if I walk into a job interview and I'm an anxious mess, I'm not going to get hired. Yeah. If I'm if I'm an anxious mess, I'm not even going to know what job to look at, right? Because my brain just is reacting to the environment around me. So if I can calm myself down, if I can meditate, if I can breathe, if I can exercise, and as much as that sounds like it's probably the furthest thing from your mind at that time, if I can do it in the moment, I can learn to think logically. I can learn to think deeper. I can look at multiple options and solutions and bring my brain back online to focus, and like that is the opportunity, right? So we all know when we're stressed and we're just reacting and we're breaking shit and throwing things around, the environment around you is controlling you, right? You're a victim to the environment. You're a victim to your circumstance. If you can just slow it down, now you can start creating that circumstance rather than, than responding to it. I think that's the key, man. And as much as it sucks, you're a business owner. Like if you're going to hire somebody, who are you going to work with? You're going to hire somebody who's calm and thoughtful and well articulated and working through things in a logical way. You're going to hire someone who's just flying off the chain, right? Like flying off the handle. And I get it. We're all stressed. There's no question we're all being affected. And I'm not trying to soften this at all. But I really think that if you just allow yourself the opportunity to experience the benefits of these things. I'll give you a good example, actually. So I think it was 2017, might have been 2018, 2018. It was about this time of year, actually. 
I had John Emerald on the podcast, who, by the way, if anyone's listening to this, haven't listened to John Emerald podcast, it was awesome. So John Emerald is Tony Robbins energy worker. And, you know, like I'm always skeptical of this shit, right? I'm like, whatever, what's energy worker? But John Emerald is amazing, brilliantly articulates this bridge between the physical body and the energetic world. The only guy that I've ever heard actually articulate it well, but he did a really good job. So he invited me out to his four-day retreat in Lake Tahoe. And I was like, dude, done. I'm in, whatever. Send me the bill. I'm in. So I got there and I spent four days there. And I got a lot of amazing energy work from John, no question. And maybe that was a bigger part of what I'm about to say than I realized at the time. But my life changed. I completely changed my life in four days. Why? I was very stressed at that time. I was going through some stuff with personally and financially, a bunch of shit. I was very stressed and I didn't know what to do with my business. And four days in Lake Tahoe, every morning I'd wake up, I'd go for a walk or a run. I was cold. It was mountainous. I would sit and I would meditate. It was probably the last thing in the world that I was able to do at that time, but I made sure that I made time. And after that weekend, I completely changed the course of my business, the direction, just made it more fulfilling and more about helping and serving rather than chasing after something, right? At the time I was going through some stuff with like employees and a bunch of other crap. And it was just like, I was chasing their happiness and making my business fit their needs and wants rather than like serving my myself or my community, right? So that really four days out there just completely transformed the way I look at the world. And that was literally it. It's like as much as it was probably the last thing the world is able to do. I made it happen. And again, my business has grown. And most importantly, it feels good. At the time, I, like I said, I was literally trying to create a business to suit other people. My head doesn't make sense. Why am I doing this? And I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was unsure. And then go having been able to do that allowed me to then create something that I love. Can you talk a little bit more, just because I'm curious too, about what energy work means or even in sure. that context, what it means? Well, to be honest, I am not an expert. And I strongly suggest you guys listen to John Emerald's podcast. I don't remember what number it is, but we can link to it in the show notes. So John, literally everywhere Tony Robbins goes, John goes with him. So any of the Tony events, John's there in the backstage working on Tony Wee comes off and apparently working on Tony Wee's on stage as well. But again, I'm not one expert in that stuff. So effectively it was, he lays you down face down on a table. He just starts feeling your energy, your aura, your energy signature, I guess. And to me, listen, I always say that I'm an open-minded skeptic, right? Like I'm skeptical of everything, but I'm also not closed-minded to the reality that just things exist outside my senses. So I just, I was like, hey man, you do your thing, you do you, I'll stay here open-minded to what's going to happen. So to be honest, the first two days, I felt absolutely nothing. And the other people in the room, there's 12, 15 other people, we're getting these amazing breakthroughs and having these incredible physical experiences and these incredible energy experiences. I felt nothing. John was like, hey, man, you're really blocked here and you got this energy stuff here. And I was like, cool, man, interesting. Like, I don't feel anything. By the last day, I had a transformative experience that I literally started to cry. I started just bawling tears. And all I had these thoughts, these incredible emotions coming through me. I felt this energy rushing through my body that I'd never felt before. It was just interesting. Then he's like, there it is. And I was like, oh, I was crying because I was like, am I going to live the rest of my life never knowing what it feels like to have been a complete person? So I was disconnected from my body. I wasn't able to feel things. So that was why I was crying. It's like, I could have just, like I'm actually getting emotional now. I could have lived the rest of my life not knowing what it actually felt like to be a complete person and not feel energy. And that was the first time I ever had that. And so ever since then, John, I've had a great relationship. He's just a wonderful, wonderful human and his wife. And that's what that was. So again, he... I don't know what he does. His suggestion is he's, I don't know the right word. I don't want to kind of cheapen it, but manipulating your energy flow, your aura. We all know we have an aura. We all have energy that exists. And his suggestion, and again, go listen to the podcast, is that we're 99% space. And people don't realize that because our senses perceive a solid object, but we're 99% space. Right. Does that make sense? Ash, you're looking at me like, what are you saying? Right. So we're all this space that exists between cells, but your brain yeah. fills it in. So if we're 99% space, what's happening between the actual cells? And he goes, well, there's this flow of energy. The electrons are producing energy and we're able to actually measure it, whether it be by photons of light or whatever it happens to be. And now we can actually manipulate that based on, hey, you have some energy blockages here. And if you look at like chakras and stuff, you have chakras that go from like below your body all the way above your body. And this this shape, which name I forget right now, but there's this particular shape that energy flows in and out of your body. And if it's blocked, all of a sudden that's where cancer starts to arrive. That's where illness starts to arrive. Well, that's where you can't perform at your highest and best. You can't show up and be full of energy and vigor to approach your life. And that 
so true, right? Like what is success in life? It's having an abundance of energy to show up in every scenario with focus and enthusiasm and lead, right? If you're always dragging energy, you don't really feel good. I'm having a hard time. How are you going to show up and and dominate life? Mm -hmm. So there's many levels to that, I'm sure, but that's one of them. That's a lot. That's intense. Would you go to another one of these kind of retreats again? If he he had one right now, I would be there. Like. I would move heaven and earth. It's very expensive, to be honest. Yeah. It's very expensive. Like, well, if you have a completely life-changing experience, I guess maybe it's Well, worth- I shouldn't say it's very expensive. It's very expensive, but it is significant investment. And honestly, like, I just made it happen. I was like, all right, man, whatever, let's go. I trust in what you're saying and I want to experience this. Yeah. Anyone that financially can afford it, I couldn't suggest it more. And he calls it body-centered leadership. Ironically, I have a something that popped up on my desk the other day that kind of a memento of the thing, but yeah. I, I highly suggest it. I mean, I'm cautiously, skeptically optimistic of these things too, in that I'm never going to shit on something that I haven't tried or experienced. Like it seems silly, like you want to experience something and then you can maybe have an opinion about it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also think a lot of it is about, there's a lot of different ways to approach what you're talking about, right? Which is this unsticking energy that's stuck somewhere or that can't come out or that can't be realized or understood or whatever. There's lots of different approaches to it. And I think it's the biggest thing seems to be just having that open mind and being willing to learn and go through whatever is going to happen, which could be very uncomfortable, I think, for a lot of people. Who the hell am I to know if it's true or not, right? This is why when someone has a theory about something, whether it be nutrition or training or whatever, I'm like, okay, I'll listen. Uh, And I really believe that every human being should listen to everyone with an open mind as an open-minded skeptic. Like, tell me everything you know, everything you think, everything you feel. I have no idea whether you're true or not. And I can take value from what you're saying and I can apply it to my life and my paradigm, or I can just let it keep going, let it flow, right? Everything will appear as you need it and as it should. And that was literally the most perfect time. And the fact that I was able to make that happen and travel and literally I met some incredible human beings who I still keep in contact with. It was a one of the most transformative experiences of my life. The other one happened that year too, also ironically, which is another one I made happen, which was the trip to Sedona to do neurofeedback, which I've talked about a few times. That was nuts what happened in that. I won't get into details of that one, but that was nutty. Why not? Well, (laughs) That's what we're here for. Get into it. Well, okay. I'll get into a little detail. It was effectively what worked out to be about 14 hours a day or more in some days seven days in a row, 14 or more hours a day of meditation where you're hooked up with some electrodes to your head and you're getting feedback based on your meditation. So your brain waves are being read. It's also attached to a polygraph. So you're asked questions about your emotions. So Ash, you are happy. Ash, you are sad. Ash, you are angry. Ash, you are mad. And there's a hundred different iterations of different emotions. And you're asked to rate yourself on a scale of one to five. Five being, yes, I feel very much in alignment with this. One meaning, no, I don't feel very much in alignment with this. So am I very happy? Five. And the polygraph goes, eh, bullshit. So you're, you're like, okay, well, I'm not happy. Why am I not happy? So then you're, and you're sent into this process of meditating around, well, why am I disconnected basically? Like I think I'm happy, but I'm not. Where's the disconnect? What was the event in my life that's maybe preventing me from being happy? Again, I'm not giving full detail on the experience, but that's it. And then you're going through all these different emotions and finding the event or the thing that comes up in meditation as to why maybe you don't feel this this way, or maybe why you do feel this way if you have anger, hostility, or whatever different iteration of emotion, and then allowed to meditate on it. And you're going through what, what he calls a forgiveness process, whereby like I'm angry with Ashley for this, and I'm going to forgive you, and I actually feel gratitude and love in my heart and I send it out to you. And once I actually get back to, if I actually am able to change the feeling in my mind, I can go back and ask that question again and the emotion will change. It'll register closer on the polygraph. So it's really interesting. And so that was a transformative experience for that. But also there was some other weird shit that happened that weekend that was, again, unexplainable to me, but again, open-minded skeptic. So cool. I mean, first of all, it sounds exhausting, but really totally rewarding. Yeah. I mean, is it, it kind of comes back to like being able to think about your thoughts, right? This immediate neurofeedback Mm -hmm. is telling you maybe you're lying to yourself and why are you lying to yourself? And it lets you kind of step back from your own reactions and think about them. So if you can maybe change it or be more honest or be more... Well, so maybe we have the ability to do that already, right? But we're so disconnected from our bodies that we can't. So like, am I happy? Well, no, I'm not happy. Okay, well, how does that feel? Like, how does it feel to be happy? I had a great friend who I haven't seen in a long time. And he said, he said, Ben, I want you to say something to yourself. And maybe you guys can try this, the listeners at home. He said, Ben, I want you to say out loud, what does it feel like to love myself unconditionally? And then just feel. He said, don't 
don't do anything. Just feel. What does it feel like to love myself unconditionally? He said, just feel. And he said, your body will tell you everything you need to know if you're willing to listen and pay attention. It's an interesting reality, right? And honestly, like at the time, I kind of feel it now, but at the time, it was this overwhelming feeling of gratitude and, and love and like you can feel it, right? And stuff like that exists if you just take the time to explore it. I'm going to do that when we get off the call, just in case I have some weird, embarrassing emotions that I can't display on the podcast. But that's actually a very cool idea. I mean, I, I don't think I've ever done that. I don't think yeah. I've ever Most people that. haven't. I certainly haven't. No. But yeah, we're sort of, anyways, this is going esoteric, but... That's how you like it. There's value. I'm telling you, there's value in learning to sit with your emotions, whether they're good or bad. Don't mask them. Like sometimes, sure, like if it's overwhelming for you or situationally not appropriate, like actually not having your emotional breakdown on the podcast. I get um, it. I'm not I get it. Fan of the day, ben. Come on. I, I get it. I get it. I get it. But connecting with yourself may be the key. And I think there's an opportunity. I know there's an opportunity in exercise, right? So if you're on something and you want to stop, if you're something and you don't want to do it, explore. Why not? What is that feeling that's stopping me from taking that next step, whether it be in business or in a relationship or in life? What is that feeling that's stopping me? The inadequacy, the fear, the whatever it is, and sit with it and go, well, is it really that bad? Do I really need to allow it to stop who I am and what I'm pursuing? And the answer is, no, keep going, man. Like, and that was maybe my greatest blessing in life is because my dad was a very violent man in my youth. No feeling slowed me down. It was like, oh, I felt that before. Keep going, right? Like, I wasn't allowed to slow down. I wasn't allowed to sit down and feel sorry for myself. So it was like, oh, we'll just keep going, right? Maybe that's a blessing I had, which is sometimes people see that as a curse. But if you flip it and go, hey, the fact that I was able to sit with these terrible emotions that I had, and I almost had them all the time as a kid, it just kind of became normal. Just keep going, right? So there's always this flip, like you either paralyze you or it can propel you. And I think emotions are that. And there's this amazing opportunity that we all have every day if you just learn to listen. Yeah. I want to go back to this human connection thing because I think it's important and it's sort of top of mind for me right now because where I am, we're going through some loosening of restrictions very conservatively here in Ontario and we are able to kind of have our bubble and hang out. And the other night I spent a night indoors with a couple of my friends who still weren't super touchy-feely when we sat down and like had a glass of wine and a meal together and we sat down for six hours straight in the living room and just looked at each other and talked and were in person with each other. It literally changed my entire mood and outlook and feeling so significantly right. more than anything I've had in a very long time. And it reminded me, like, everybody's talking about how technology has been saving us during quarantine and we can have these FaceTimes and we can work on Zoom and we can do all this stuff. But nothing, no. nothing can make up for in-person human interaction. And I wonder, like, are people going to have a harder time now that we're getting back together? Or, and because we can't, maybe, or people are scared to touch or kiss or hug, like... I think, it's a, I think it's a beautiful opportunity. And I think I told you this when you started on this podcast. Like I've committed myself to going deep rather than wide. And that just means I've got this really small group of very close friends who I love and I invest in and everybody else. Unfortunately, I'm just not making the time for. And it sounds – some people are like, oh, that's, that's bad. I'm like, but how else would I live? And I think – that's the key is to have a very tight community and spend time with them. And you're going to connect with these people. You're going to love them. You're going to contribute to their life. You're going to help them. You're going to lift them up. And that's your tribe, right? And however big or small you're able to make that, you do that. And I think that's maybe the greatest thing that exists right now is keep your loved ones really, really close. Treat them with so much appreciation and love and make their life better. And everyone else has to, unfortunately, and again, that's not a me versus you type thing. It's just like, I'm still going to be a great person with everybody else, but I'm really going to go deep and call the people that I love and tell them I love them and appreciate them and express that. And I think at least keeping those people close so you have your tribe is a vital piece. And again, I'll just repeat, that does not mean that I'm going to make everybody else not exist. It just means that I'm actually going to intentionally go out of my way to invest in a very small number of people, in which case I can have physical contact. I don't think that's kind of a crazy thing to say at all. I think you're deluding yourself if you think that you can have meaningful relationships with every Social media is killing, no. isn't it? It's so crazy. speaking of your point of connection, since you want to bring that up back up, apply that to sex. So thinking about how disconnected we are from our bodies, how addicted to porn we all are, mm -hmm. uh, like thinking about, well, yeah, hey, it's, it's oh, reality, oh. right? Well, okay. many, many people. I get it. But thinking about how much maybe that's preventing you from actually enjoying what sex could and should be, 
right? Like if I actually felt emotions, if I actually felt things in my body that wasn't just an ejaculation or an orgasm, like if I actually was able to feel the things rushing through my veins and, and the physical connection and the oxytocin and the serotonin, all those things happening during your, your sexual experiences, how much more pleasurable could sex be? How much more connected would you be with the one person you're with, right? Rather than pursuing it from multiple places, like, oh, I need to get that again. You're constantly chasing the thing outside of yourself that doesn't exist. It's like eating the donut. You just want the next donut. Same thing with sex. Imagine actually creating a bond with somebody where they made you feel so incredibly special and so incredibly important and connected that maybe that's what's missing in this human engagement we're having or this human connection we're existing in, like it's lacking. Again, my theory, not grounded, haven't done research, no peer-reviewed research for everybody who's listening for this stuff, but that makes a lot of sense, right? I think we're just, we don't feel. So we're just like, if you're not getting the cocaine equivalent of dopamine, it's just oh, not really a big deal. So who knows? I think that's really interesting, actually. And I think that it goes back to what you were saying about connecting with others means connecting with yourself. And I know that this is very applicable for women. And I would imagine for men too, they just maybe don't talk about it as much, that how you're able to connect with your partner is very closely linked to how good you feel about yourself, how connected you are to your sexual self too, right? So for men, because you do have a bit more of like a light switch sort of reaction chemically. But, but it shouldn't be like that, right? It shouldn't, but physiologically, right? We work sure. a little bit differently, right? Like even if you're not into it or you're not connected, your body works a little bit more mechanically than a woman's does when we talk about sex, From generally speaking, right? Whereas women need to have a little, a couple more steps from the first step to the last step. And for both sexes, I think there's so much going on in here that has to be sorted out for you to have that really deep connection with somebody else. And so all of this is connected. Sex, friends, family, everything, you have to be really sorted out with what's going on in here and respectful and loving of what's going on in here before you can give that to somebody else. It's all connected. I think there's definitely something there. Yeah. Again, in what way does this tie into fitness and exercise? Well, well-being is a big part of it. Loving yourself, connecting with yourself, and maybe loving your body and spending some time connecting with your body rather than chasing things to mute out those feelings, whether it be food or drugs or even sex. I think certainly worth exploring for every human being is like, maybe you take a day this week and you eat a little less and you consume a little, no alcohol and you just feel. And like, rather than trying to always having to be doing something, maybe you just be, right? If you're a busy body and you're always having to do something, guilty as charged, both of us, I'm sure. Um, there's something there and maybe spending some time with it will allow you to uncover the next path for you that you need to overcome to get through these anxieties and fears and pains and whatever else we have. Yeah. But without acknowledging that it's there, you can't change it, yeah. right? You can't change it. So, Spending time outside, no phone, no audiobook, no podcast, just like feel and don't think, right? Don't do anything. And that's maybe one of the lessons. Somebody said that to me like five years ago. Don't do anything. I go, what do you mean? I'm like, I don't get it. What am I supposed to do? Nothing. I don't understand. Nothing. You're like, oh, I don't even know how to do nothing, really. Like, I'm like, oh, I got to read a book or I got to like learn yeah. something. I got to take a course. I got to call somebody. No, maybe you can go for a walk outside by yourself in nature and like, that's it. Think, be, sit, you know, and I'm actually planning on doing this next week and we'll see how that goes for our call next week. That's literally my plan. I'm planning on doing the much cheaper version of what you just talked about in Tahoe, which is like to go out to the woods for a couple of days and yeah. not have work plans, not have to, again, listen to podcasts all day long or like have your computer on a little bit nervous, but I'm like, this is something I actually need now at this point. This is like medication. This is like treatment. I don't know if it's medication. I think it's an opportunity, right? And depending how you frame it will depend on what you come out of it with, right? Just yeah. go in, go in there and go, hey, whatever comes up, I'm going to explore it. Whether it's pain, fear, happiness, anger, whatever comes up, just explore it. See what's there. And that may be your opportunity to then move forward in your life, right? Most of us are blocking ourselves from progressing because we're always living in fear, anxiety, whatever the hell it is not taking that next step out of fear of, of loss or fear of inadequacy or whatever. Um, maybe that's what it is. Like, oh, I see that there. I, I'm okay. I'm strong enough to deal with that, right? I, it's, it's funny. I taught my kids this word this week, and it's perfect This in this scenario. Maybe that's why I came up in my brain. And the word I taught them was circumstance. And we, had, we have these letters on the fridge, and they spell it circumstance. And I wanted them each to know that I am stronger than my circumstances. I am stronger than any circumstance, right? And maybe everyone needs to know that themselves. I am stronger than circumstance. Remember that. And, and if you're having something that's hard, 
you got it. You can make it through. We can all make it through. We're all going to make it through together. And there's someone in your life who's struggling just like you are. And you guys can lift each other up and support each other and create some new amazing opportunities and change the world. I like it. Okay. We're going to have a good chat after we both go into the woods for a few days and then emerge <laughs> lots of new ideas and stories. Yeah. Okay. Are you going to write? Well, you know, I'm still finishing the book, right? So like I'm literally just editing for hours all day, every day. So I may not do any kind of creative stuff. Because again, that's still something. But maybe do, it's personal. Right? Maybe, maybe it's not like I'm writing it with an object with an objective. Maybe I'm just writing what I feel. Maybe, maybe not. No thought, but like yeah. maybe good to document what's coming up. Yeah. I suppose that's a good point. I mean, I basically bring like a notebook with me everywhere for that purpose because mm -hmm. you never, I like wake up in the middle of the night and write shit down. So I think that's probably a good idea. But I think if I go into it, because that's again, like it's my typical thing. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go into the woods and unplug for three days, but I got to get 30 pages of self revelations in or else it's a failure, right? So I don't want to go in with that. But I honestly, to me, going into something like that and thinking about not turning my phone on, not listening to something, not talking to people, that's challenge enough, really. Are you bringing LSD with you? Do you have any for me? <laughs> I don't want to get that. There's plenty of weed around here, but the other stuff, I don't know. I don't have the connections. Just send, us, send us a message on Facebook, guys. No, not really. No, no. Okay, let's bring it back to a little bit more practical, or maybe just a little bit less esoteric, because you know we got to do both. There's actually a comment here from a Facebook user that I think is interesting because you, I think, have just written something that's very related to this. Mm. Let's just bring this up really quick. Thoughts on maintaining a lean body composition year round. Example, after cutting body fat and slowly building up calories, how to stay as lean as possible on an ongoing basis. So I think they're talking about just being lean in a sustainable way, yeah. uh, which is something that you've yeah. So here's here's a, here's something that I'll, I'll share with you guys. Since I retired from professional bodybuilding, I'm literally becoming a new human being. For 20 years, I was specifically ascending one mountain and I was very focused on accumulating the habits, skills and characteristics of that person who is aspiring to be Mr. Olympia. Now I have that. That's my identity, right? The identity is I eat, sleep and train this way. My primary focus is this. My highest value is that. This is the person that I've created from the time I was 15 years old until I was 36, 37. 35 when I retired, but still after that, it still persisted. So the last three years of my life has literally been this peeling away the layers of the onion to go, okay, well, who am I actually? This is the person that I created. This is the avatar I built, but who am I actually? And who do I want to become? And then how do I bridge the gap between these two things? And one of the big things that I've been, been focusing on is, well, how do I want to eat? How do I want to look? Maybe more importantly, how do I want to look and how does that person actually eat, right? So if I have an end result and I say, I want to be 8% body fat, 10% body fat, 15, whatever, 12% body fat. And so for me, it's this range of like, I'd like to be somewhere between 8 and 12% body fat all the time. Well, now the habits I had in the past were very focused around consumption and growth and building muscle. Now it's more around, okay, how do I maintain this lean, healthy, muscular physique? So my habits need to change. So I have to be su become super aware of all the unconscious habits that I've had before, bring them to the level of consciousness, and then ask myself consciously, well, this is who I was before. This is who I want to be now. How do I bridge the gap? So it's really just this habit creation, right? Habits are going to create your new identity. So if you want to identify the habits of someone who walks around at, you know, this is a female asking. So let's say someone who walks around 18% body fat all the time. Well, what are those habits? How do you eat? What is your association with food? What does a typical meal look like? What does your stress management look like? What does your sleep look like? You have to start looking at all those things and literally just deducing who am I going to become? So this concept of I have to be the person I want to be and I have to do the things that I do before I can have the things that they have, right? Be, do, have. So I have to be this person. So what does that look like? Well, probably not overeating at every meal for me, right? It's probably not eating a bunch of junk food. It's probably maybe doing some cardio every day. Maybe it's moving my body. Maybe it's doing yoga every day. Maybe it's training three to four times a week, whatever, right? You have to decide who that is for you. If you want to be Mr. Olympia, you better be prepared to train twice a day every day, do an hour of cardio, do meditation every day, walk outside, do all the things, right? You're checking all the boxes because that's my primary focus and value. If I want to be someone who values my family, well, I got to check all those boxes first. And so you have to look at what do you value most? Who do you want to become? And how do you make sure that your actions match your values? That's it, right? So if your actions don't match your values, you're going to have a huge disconnect and have an anxiety all the time. And so if you value being lean all the time and you want to be healthy, you've got to make sure that your habits and your actions are matching that. It's really that complex, but simple at the same mm -hmm. time. Yeah. 
simple, but not necessarily easy. Easy, right. I do like that concept of like visualizing. I want to be this person. What does that person do? Right. It helps just kind of create the strategy. So that's why I created that doc is like just literally asking people and exploring all the the lean people I know. So I created a doc that's 57 habits of the leanest people, like how to be lean for life, basically 57 habits of leanest people on earth. And, you know, I asked some friends, myself, what do you guys do? What do you think the number one habit is? And a lot of people didn't really have a good answer. So sometimes it was curated, but some people did have a really good answer. So what do you do? What is that one to three things that you do every day that makes you be lean? It's like, I do cardio every day. Great. Let's add that. Or, hey, I eat only till 50% full. Great. Let's add that. Whatever it is, right? Or, hey, I, I manage my stress really well. Let's add that. I manage my gut health really well. Let's add that, right? So we'll look at all these things that are we know are directly correlated. And so you have to ultimately look at your avatar and realize you're different than them. So they have a different genetics and you maybe have different needs. But there's probably still going to be some general principles that correlate. And you say, okay, well, if I want to be 8% body fat all the time, what do I got to do? Well, I probably got to stop eating jars of almond butter at a time. Right? Like uh, I probably got to maybe be a little more consistent with my protein intake. Maybe I need to do a little more cardio. And you have to be honest with yourself. And and rather than making it subjective, like I want to make a little more money, it's objective. It's like I could do cardio three times a week. I need to train three to four times a week. I need to do yoga three to four times a week. I need to balance for me. And balance for you could be I'm going to train 14 times a week and with weights. That may be your balance because you're trying to be Mr. Olympia or something so that. But if you're if you're trying to be someone who has balance, it, there's no such thing as balance. It's your balance, right? If I want to train 14 times a week and do yoga once and do cardio twice, fine. That's your balance. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's based on what you value and what your targets are. I want to go back to the yoga thing again because one of your Benisms that I is stuck in my head right now is that training should be sympathetic. Everything else should be parasympathetic, right? So sometimes, do you ever do yoga before working out or vice versa? Or does it not matter to you because you can go in and out? How does that work? Well, so good question. I think the ideal scenario would be to do yoga after training. I think yoga, there's two times that yoga would make most sense for me. Again, this is subjective. For me, first thing in the morning, because I'm establishing my mind, I'm connecting my breath and my body, and I'm establishing that calm parasympathetic neurochemistry. That makes a lot of sense to me. So I do that three to four times a week. The other time that makes a lot of sense is when you're winding down before bed. The unfortunate thing is it seems like every yoga place in the world has like a 7 p.m. yin yoga. Don't ever do yin yoga. If a schedule ever says yin yoga, run. It sucks. It's three poses in 60 minutes. The rest of the time you take a fucking nap. It's like kindergarten class. It's terrible. Well, no, it's, I mean. You want to relax. I don't know. It's not even relaxing though. Like I would rather do something that's movement oriented, like actually moving through stuff, feeling, just spending longer times in each pose, right? So I can actually settle into a pose rather than like literally half the time, at least 50% of the time, it's like laying with a pillow on your side in, in like fetal position. It's like, well, that's not very good. If I wanted to do that, I could just go to bed. So point being, I think before bed, because exercise is such a great, if it's calming exercise, it's such a great trigger to help you go sleep because it's creating that shift in body temperature. It's a great thing to do. And it doesn't have to be hard. It just has to be blood flow. I'm causing blood flow. I'm causing the mind-body connection, the breath-mind connection. So I'm sinking those systems. So then I go to bed, I'm going to sleep better. Those would be the two times. Now, again, you could argue that anytime you're stressed, yoga would be a good thing to do. Anytime in the middle of the day would be a good thing to do. But for me, those are the two best times. Maybe not like a crazy long yoga class and then go directly to the gym and try to max out your squat though. I, but I do do it. You're right. But I do do it. And sometimes it's more because I want to challenge myself. So yeah. when, when I was training with Danny, 2018, Danny Vega, every day we'd go to yoga and then we'd go train. So we yoga at 6 a.m. We'd be training by 7.15 and we trained whatever we did. The only thing we made sure we did was made sure we had enough water between sessions. So, you know, you get a bunch of electrolytes, a bunch of water. And we were good. I never got hurt. Knock on wood. Yeah. Um, was I as powerful? Probably not. They're opposing signals, right? So I want to have a huge amount of sympathetic arousal. And if I'm ultimately lengthening muscles and kind of giving the muscle the signal to turn off, it's probably not the most powerful way to generate muscle contractions. Yeah. Speaking of poses, you might just have to take my word for it, but I have been doing tree pose like this entire time. So I've got like one leg up and I'm just standing good on stork because I'm very good at it on one side, not the other. And this leads me to my next practical question. We were going to talk about foot mechanics because I'm having some very weird pains that I want you to help me Mm -hmm. fix. Well, I don't know that I can help you fix it without seeing what you're doing, but this is actually a very relevant point. So anyone who's doing weight training. So I often talk about, if you guys listen to me speak of weight training in the past, I talk about the three hubs of stability. I talk about the trunk and spine, the scapula, so the shoulder girdle and the pelvis. And I talk about those three hubs, but I think it may be missing 
I think it may be missing the foot in the ankle as being a hub of stability because what you realize is most people's feet are so dysfunctional that every step they take or every time they plant to do something in the gym, if that foot is mechanically inappropriately aligned, everything in your body is mechanically inappropriately aligned. So if I have a flat foot, if I have toes that are all warped and pinched in or turned to the side or whatever, that's dysfunctional mechanics all the way up the body. There's no way around that. So maybe your body is compensated to that and, and you've kind of become good at it, but it doesn't mean it's going to be optimal. It doesn't mean it's going to allow you to stack efficient and effective performance on top of that. So I think one of the most important things for people to start doing, this is why walking is one of my th make three, right? The breathe, walk, and meditate. Because walking mechanics is vital. I've said this before, but like the three things that you got to pay attention to in your body is posture, breathing, and walking, right? So if your posture is inappropriate, you can't build muscle on top of, of a function that's ultimately dysfunctional, right? And same with breathing. If your breathing is dysfunctional, you can't build muscle appropriately and effectively on top of that because everything you stack on top of that will be dysfunctional. And yeah. same thing with walking. So if my feet are dysfunctional, I can assume that my ankles, my knees, and my hips are going to be dysfunctional. I can assume I'm going to have back problems almost, again, not, I want to say 100% of the time, but it's almost a guarantee. So starting to pay attention to what the feet are meant to do. What do they feel like when they're walking? Again, this is the idea of connecting with yourself. What does it feel like when I'm walking? Am I slapping my feet on the ground or am I actually allowing them to roll through this natural gait cycle, which is they're supposed to? We should have a good amount of dexterity in our feet, similar to what we do in our hands, right? Spreading your toes open, lifting them off the ground, creating a bigger arch in that forefoot. All that stuff's important. And I would say 99% of the people that I meet in my day-to-day -day life can't do that, which is why I created this movement around training with, your, with bare feet or at very least wearing Vivo barefoot shoes, which is what I advocate and wear. No affiliation, but we can, I think we have a discount link or something, but I'm not paid by them. But yeah. that's all I have in my, in my cabinet. I mean, talk about a humbling experience when you realize that you're not even walking properly. Like I think it was the Paleo FX uh, talk that I went to. Someone was talking about body mechanics and how he literally was like, I'm watching most of you walk around and you guys it's are terrible. But you're presumably even like a healthier subset of people, right? Who are more into fitness and you're all walking yeah. around in weird barefoot shoes and you're still walking wrong. Like no one's using their glutes. No one's like pushing off in the right way. And so yeah. when I'm walking and I'm kind of doing it either barefoot or in like minimalist shoes and I'm still having this issue on my left side, I have to like think about squeezing my glutes and using my glute to propel me forward. And it's crazy. I don't even know how to walk properly. <laughs> I think it doesn't need to be thoughtful. Like in, in the case where you are, it needs to be mindful because you have something that's in an injury. But the ideal scenario is you fix your mechanics and it becomes this unconscious thing you just naturally do correctly. So, you know, maybe there's something happening in your hip. Maybe there's something happening in your foot. You just got to explore well, where's the range limited. And chances are it could be both of those. Yep. And we have to improve that. Yep. Right. So that's the way I approach all exercise is looking at positions of weakness. Right. And you know, I say I stand on the shoulders of giants because clearly this isn't necessarily just my thought, but this is how I look at it. It's so when someone's moving, whether they're lifting something or not, there's going to be a position of instability and a position of weakness. And if I can address that position of weakness, it can be one at a time, right? What's the biggest position of weakness? What's the greatest deficit? And if I address that and I kind of isolate it from the system and I train it and I make it stronger, we can reintegrate into the system and the system therefore hopefully will adjust itself to be stronger as a whole. And that's really how I approach exercise. So everyone going through my mentorship right now is getting all this stuff. Just like, it's not challenging. It's actually the simplest paradigm. If I watch you move, I can see what looks like it's most out of place. Most in most cases, right? Sometimes it's impossible to see, but usually if someone's got an injury, you can pick it out pretty well. They'll do something that's relatively glaringly obvious. Yeah. Uh, and then you can start to identify, okay, well, that's your issue. Let's fix that issue. And then usually they'll correct themselves over time, provided they're willing to do the work repetitively. So I know one of the podcasts that you've done that really speaks a lot to this is with Annette at Posture Pro. She's um, so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, so useful. But is there anywhere else that you would recommend people go who are like, yeah, I know I've got foot mechanics issues. I know I'm like walking weird. My feet hurt. I know yeah. I've got what um, people do. Yeah. So MAT, Muscle Activation Techniques, Greg Roscoff in Denver is, is the, he's the guru, man. That guy understands exercise. If you have a physical problem, so if you're in Ottawa, there's probably someone in Ottawa, but there's certainly someone in Toronto. If you make your way down to Toronto, Eric's the best in the world at foot mechanics. Yeah. If you want to learn how to, as a coach, if you're someone's a coach out there, you got to take RTS. You got to take resistance training specialist, which is Tom Purvis, who's, again, he's Yoda, man. He's like, these people are the best in the entire world at what they do. And they're changing the way we do things. They're changing the way we look at things. And those guys have been my greatest mentors since I started this stuff. And I've yet to find anybody that comes close to their understanding of Greg, when it, Greg Roscoff, when it comes to improving dysfunction, 
ultimately. Like he's got a modality that helps you improve an injury or, or a dysfunction. And Tom, when it comes to taking that dysfunction and turning it into a functional being and making it looking at an exercise, looking at somebody moving, going, hey, that's wrong. Let's fix that. Hey, that's screwed up. Let's fix that. How do we do that? And then scale it to the point where you're actually able to do something effective or perform at a high level, right? That's a completely different skill set. Identifying it and making it good enough so you can move is one thing, but actually then taking it and challenging it progressively so it becomes a strength is a different skill set. Before you take off to go go karting, is there anything else that you're working on that you want to talk about? Like I'm reading the squat series emails. I feel like they're doing really well. People are posting and reposting about that. How has that been received? How's that going? I think it's been great. I think I told you I accidentally put my personal email in there as a response email and I got 15,000 emails, which is all right. They lost that email now, but it's okay. Guys, I appreciate it. Honestly, like amazing. So anyone who hasn't seen the squat series, just go over to YouTube and you can check out the squat series on YouTube. You can also go on the muscle intelligence website. So muscleintelligence.com slash squat dash series, I think. But so it's basically going to be six emails, five videos, six workouts, five videos teaching you how to squat and teaching you the most common things that were what are wrong with a squat. Now, there may be some things that I could have gone deeper on, but it's a really entry-level look at, hey, if you're having an issue squatting, here's the most important thing. So it's looking at hip mechanics a little bit, range of motion, foot mechanics a little bit, and then ultimately how to make it challenging. So looking at how do I make it challenging for the quad? How do I make it challenging for the glute? How do I differentiate these if I want to just prioritize one over the other? So They've got a tremendous response so far. If you see it and you like it, guys, go ahead and give it a like. Leave me a comment and share. I would love to share this information because you know I want to help people understand exercise. So uh, I'm very grateful for everyone who's watched and left comments. Nash, thanks for bringing it up. Thanks. And I mean, it's important because that's one thing that I, I've learned from every single pro I've ever followed or watched or spoken to is that the basics, the foundations, that matters the most, way right. more than any of the tricky Everyone's trying to make it complex. When when I say that the foundation of it all is breathe, walk, and meditate. And, you know, if I was to expand on that, it would be breathe, move, and meditate. But movement is so generic. Like walking, I think, is a really good starting point for people. You got to have good – you have to be able to walk. You say people aren't using their feet. They're not using their glutes. They're not using the rib cage. They're not swinging their arms. Like so many interesting things that exist within walking that are part of our development as human beings that we need to do. It needs to be part of like, if we would have walked over 10 miles ancestrally, like who's doing 10 miles a day? Not me. I'd love to be, but not yet. So thank you for that. And again, one thing I will say is there's some some body part specialization guides. So if anyone wants to, to train any body part, I wrote a guide for each body part and it's relatively complete, I would say, as far as teaching you to understand how to train that body part. It goes into understanding the mechanics a little bit, some exercise set up, and ultimately the thing that I think maybe set us apart more than anybody is what to think about when you're doing it. And I think that's a very unique offering that most people aren't able to offer. Mm-hmm. You also, before we go, have to shout out your favorite healthy beverage, which is olive oil. <laughs> From you know, I think I have a problem, Ash. I think we need to start an olive oil anonymous club. Um, <laughs> I mean, there are worse vices. I do think I have a problem. I drink a lot of olive oil. So I've been doing oil pulling lately with my olive oil. Oh, yeah. So, yeah I've never yeah, heard of it for olive oil. I know people do it with coconut oil. With not really much of a difference, right? Just same thing. Know. Just yeah, Coconut know. oil is also antimicrobial, but I think olive oil is as well. Mm-hmm. But I'm putting it on literally everything. And the new round, if you had, did you, you don't get the new round because you're in Canada. Mm-hmm. The, so the new round out now is from Chile and it's so good. It's really good. One of them, like the bold one, is this beautiful green. And most of them come out this like kind of nasty yellow, not fresh pressed though. Like they have this beautiful green tint, but this one, the bold one is particularly green. Just to look at it, you're like, gosh, it looks like it was literally a mashed olive rather than, you know, the stuff you buy. My vision of olive oil when I grew up was like, and this crap in this plastic thing on the store at the grocery store. Like, and you're like yellow, yellow. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, that doesn't look very appealing. And now looking at it, it just looks so alive and vibrant. And I saw they posted somebody's comment. It literally looks like you're drinking something. It feels like you're consuming something that's alive. Yeah. It's like, gosh, it's so, so good. I highly suggest everybody do it, pick it up. And they're hooking you guys up. So it's worth a try for a dollar. You get to try a bottle. And gosh, I promise you like it. I haven't had anybody say they didn't like it so far. Again, if you're not someone who's into olive oil, I get it. You may not like it. But if you're someone who's at all into great quality food, high quality culinary experiences, and ultimately caring for your body. So I think I told you about my experiment, which is meant to do six months of excessive olive oil consumption. So I've taken out all the peanut butter, taken out most of the almond butter, not all of the almond butter, most of it. And most of my fat is coming now from meat, which I get from Belcampo yeah. uh, almost exclusively, or wild meat. Sometimes I'm eating some wild elk or wild venison and a lot of olive oil. So we're going to see what actually happens. I'm going to do another test to see what my fat ratios are in my cell and in my 
my body, see if I've shifted it at all to a different way. I'll tell you one thing that I could say, this is subjective, but I can tell you definitively, if I just drop calories a little bit, my body fat drops off like that. Whereas in the past, if I drop calories a little bit, I found that I kind of lost muscle a little bit more. I'm, I'm a little more inflamed if I drop calories. Now, if I drop calories, it's it's just body fat that goes. And I was not like that, even as a pro bodybuilder. Like I had to work to bring my fat off. This is me speculating that it has something to do with the health of the actual fat cell itself, or maybe the cell itself or the mitochondria itself. That's my subjective observation. But that's, I mean, I'm pretty in tune with my body. I've done this shit for a long time. Uh, if I just bring calories down a little bit, the body fat comes off. And that's, again, it's a really interesting experience. And again, I don't know that it's just that it's just olive oil. Could just be everything I'm doing to decrease inflammation, but it's not that much different than it was before. Like I do sunshine a lot. My cardio activity is minimal. So I don't know, maybe it is something there. Another thing uh, that I think is a benefit of really high quality fat in your diet is good skin. And I think you actually got a comment on social media at one point about, man, what's your skincare routine? Like you've got great skin, great man skin. And I really think that it's, you were like, I don't know, I like wash my face sometimes or whatever. Like you don't have like a real skin regimen because you're a classic dude. But I do think that having really high fat and high quality fat in your diet makes a of huge course. difference. Everyone's trying to do it from the outside when it's an inside yep. out thing. I will say something that I've been doing, which is completely weird and i think i should try it because i've been sh i've been shaving my head without using any shaving cream it's way less irritation i went from shaving cream to coconut oil yeah. and i stopped coconut oil. i'm like i'm just gonna do it dry so it's not quite as close to shave but it's no irritation at all which is interesting you would think there would be more irritation but it's less are you like bicking it or are you using yeah, yeah bick no i'm bicking it man yeah, so it's faster and there's no irritation, which I'm very surprised by. So if I use like a like a shaving cream or something, the irritation is tremendous. Like it's itchy, it's, it feels like shit, it just feels terrible. Yeah, and then so I've shifted over to coconut oil. Everyone goes, oh man, that's expensive. I go, not really, I'm not using that much. But now I've just been doing it without anything. And to be honest, it's awesome. No discomfort at all. I think this is anecdotal, but I believe that there's research to back this up too, that the quality of the fat that you're eating and also specific foods that you're eating can also have an impact on your ability to like take in vitamin D, but also protect yourself from burning in the sun internally. So not to say like everybody go out and never protect yourself from the sun anymore because you drink olive oil. But I know a difference when I'm eating a healthy diet and it's like a full of healthy fats and all that kind of stuff, you burn less, like your skin is stronger and more resilient and it looks better. Yeah, completely agree. Yeah. So shout out to our friends at Fresh Press Olive Oil for hooking us up. Guys, it's amazing. I can't recommend it more. And everybody has been thanking me lately for recommending this because it is that good. Okay. Get Fresh 3.5. Get Fresh, the number 3.5.com, and you'll get hooked up with a bottle for a dollar. Can't beat it. Ash, happy Canada Day. Thank you. You too, BPAC. And enjoy your time in the woods, wherever oh, you go, goodness. and take lots of pictures. Okay. No, don't. Leave your phone at home. Okay. All right. Have a great one. Thank you so much for tuning into Muscle Intelligence. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it with at least one person you know. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. The statements and views on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Ben Pikulski and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements or advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest and products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.